Wallace to his left, and he's on his way. 10, 9, 5, 3, cut down! Wonderful try! We have a mole, Jim. Digs like a demented mole there. He just bust through the defence. Just watch this. Good evening and welcome to the Mullcast. Good evening. Good evening. We're going to start off discussing the somewhat controversial selection of the uh, Irish squad for the Rugby World Cup. We did an article on our website that had uh, picked a provisional squad we thought would hap- would that w- would be announced next Sunday. Um, as what actually happened was the squad was leaked early on Monday morning and by Monday afternoon it was officially announced. Not really going to dwell on that too much. But there was five uh, picks that we didn't call. Uh, so we're going to go through them one by one and we'll start with the... So Blue said we had picked Jack McGrath and instead Dave Kilcoyne uh, has been picked there. I don't know anything there's too much controversy about that. No, I think. nothing controversial. Kilcoyne just copper fast and it would have really outstanding performance against Wales. It, it was uh, it was really good to see a player play really well and put and any sort of issue beyond all doubt. Um, that knocks that one on the head pretty uh, soundly. So now on to the more more controversial decision. Um, a lot of it has been posed as the selection of John Klein over Dev Toner uh, for the purpose of this uh, rhetorical device that I'm using. It's actually the selection of Ty Byrne over Dev Toner because we had sort of selected John Klein. We expected John Klein and Dev Toner to go. Um, it has been said that really Dev... To- uh, the passive voice? It has been said by numerous voices in the media that um, it's the tight head second row and, and by Joe by Joe Schmidt himself. The tight head second row role uh, and the scrummaging that goes into that that has been so crucial in Klein's selection. Ireland don't have another specialist tight head or second row if they James Ryan. If they but if they didn't if they didn't select Klein. Yeah, well Devin Toner scrummaged uh, behind the tight head for two years for Ireland, including wins over South Africa, in which he was part of a seven man pack and one man of the match, alongside Ian Henderson in the second row, against Australia and against New Zealand. So admittedly that New Zealand team, the the first one when he was uh, tw- uh, soldier field. He was scrummaging against uh, an All Blacks pack, which was denuded of second rows. And actually played John Kino, I think, in the second row. But still, there are three big wins under your belt against the three Southern Hemisphere giants as a tight head second row. So anybody saying he can't scrummage behind the tight head second row, just wrong. Mm-hmm. Not saying he's as good as John Klein, but I thought it was the strength of the putative pack that we picked is that we had... All four players had, at one stage or another, scrummaged behind the tight head for Ireland, including Ian Henderson, who did it uh, against England in 2017. So I, th- I think Dev is clearly the most misfortunate and unluckiest person to miss out. He brings a huge wealth of experience. He brings a huge and world-class line-out ability. Also, world-class restart ability. Uh, he's a good handler, 
And as Murray Kinsella has pointed out before in his uh, rocking articles, he's an extremely busy guy. Now, he has his limitations as a player. You know, he's not an impactful hitter. He's not a good carrier. And there are things like having having depth means leaving good players out. And Smith was, I thought, very straightforward about what he wanted in his selection. He wasn't too mealy-mouthed about it. And he wants to go with more abrasiveness, possibly more pace over the ground and hot weather, a younger player, a player who's um, possibly used to hotter temperatures as well, but mostly it's about abrasion and strength. Do you think there's anything to the fact that, again, you refer, coming back to the rhetorical device I'm using to frame this, that uh, Ty Byrne is selected as a second row nominally, although one that can cover the back row in this squad when he was given, what, one outing during the Six Nations as a second row, generally considered to be a very dissatisfactory out, outing and has largely been picked as a back row in the interim. So we're going with three specialist second rows. Or is it unfair to not call Tyke Byrne a specialist second row? Well, Tyke Byrne's played the entire season for Munster. Every game for Munster is a second row. Uh, he's not a specialist second row because he, like, he played, in his last season for the Scarlets, he played roughly half the games in the back row, including stints at number eight. Um... But I, uh, yeah, I, I, I thought that obviously we're using the rhetorical device and we're sort of saying the tight burn is the one in. Leaving that aside, I thought that Reese Ruddock was the guy who got the nod. Um, Those were the my next domino I was going to go yeah, to. Yeah, that's where <laughs> I stole your bit. I suppose, you know, for, for the purposes, <clears throat> to make sure I get in this conversation, <laughs> for the purpose of the exercise, Klein has played very little international rugby. He's played like, Two warm up matches, right? So everyone knows. We were asking the question the last time, like, you know, what's the point of the warm up matches? And going, well, there's a few things that they, they, they fulfill. But um, Dev Toner has has a mountain of experience. He's got a huge body of work. So I decided I'd look at, like, what are the top five Ireland matches, in my opinion? And then I said, you know, it's kind of it's pretty subjective. So I look at the next five matches, and that, you know, you can swap them in and just see who started, right? So my top five, for what it's worth, were. Beat New Zealand in Lansdowne Road 2018, beat New Zealand in Soldier Field 2016, beaten England in Twickenham for the Grand Slam 2018, beaten England to stop them winning the Grand Slam 2017, and beaten France and Cardiff in the World Cup match. And then my next five, my alternates were losing to New Zealand in 2013, third test against Australia in Sydney 2018, uh, beaten France and Stade de France to win. 2014 to win the championship 2014 uh, beaten South Africa in the first test in Cape Town with seven men for the majority of the match 2016 and beating South Africa 38-3 in Lansdowne Road 2017 Dev Toner started in nine of those matches so that is uh, a, it's a solid list I'll give you a, a quick pop quiz out there as the only match he didn't start I know I know this one actually yeah it's it's the game against England when we derailed the chariot in Lansdowne Road it's not actually it's the game where we won the Grand Slam um, in 2018. James Ryan and Hendo started that one. It I don't was, think uh, started against England either. To my mind, that was Dunica Ryan and... Dev Toner. Dunica Ryan, Dev Toner, not Dunica Ryan, Ian Henderson. Nope. Oh. Um, so nine matches. The only... There's there's two other players for, uh, for the honours question who have started in nine of those ten matches. Answers in the back of a postcard. Ty Two. Verlong. No. 
Murray. That's two guesses. Um, Sexton and O'Mahony. Sexton and Rory Best. So this is going back Rory to Best. 2013 is, is the earliest of those. Um, no one has played in 10. Peter O'Mahony's played in eight. Murray played in eight. Ty Fernand played in six, remembering like how Rossi, Mike Ross yeah. played against France, played against New Zealand, played against played against South Africa, interestingly enough, in 2016. Started that match. Yes. So when we're talking about the seven men scrum, that was Mike Ross. Nonetheless, the, the conversation about Devon Toner, like, I mean, you see, Devon Toner isn't just a guy who's got a load of caps or a load of experience or he's sort of come on like for 20 minutes here and there and, you know, he's been around. Like, he's, he's, their matches that he started and that's a pretty stellar list for, for Irish rugby. So it's an enormous call yeah. to leave him out. Like, from, from a trading perspective, I see it as a poor trade. I see it as pretty high risk, low reward. Um, like, you're sacrificing your best lineup player and your best restart player for for what for like Reese Ruddock or John Klein e- either way you stack it up I just I don't see where the upside is yeah I was thinking before it's 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 not it, well the equivalent would be dropping Keith Earls for example a guy who's got probably the, about the same amount of caps as Dev Toner who's been in the team an awful lot has come through this uh, preseason with a niggling injury and you know, it would be a fucking huge call. Like, dropping dropping Dev is a huge call. Yeah, I reckon if Keith Earls was dropped at the last minute for uh, newly qualified James Lowe, everyone would be pretty chill about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so why do you think Joe has done that? Well, uh, I, I sort of referenced that earlier. I think that rugby, at the, the way it's played at the moment, is an incredibly... Uh, physically abusive sport <laughs> uh, and I think that um, Klein can f- f- Klein can fill a, a role that Joe is keen on like Joe was brought uh, Quinn Rue over years and years ago to Leinster previously to that he had Damien Brown like you have to remember he started in in France where Man Upathon yeah the Man Upathon and the the French top 14 was the first league to bring in the eight eight man bench with with two props like it's always been a huge scrummaging league that was his foundation uh he brought in brad thorne to scrummage brought in you know so joe does place a premium on a uh a hard scrummaging guy who scrummages on the right hand side in the second row uh i think klein is it's not quite prototypical but like that's a very he's a very good fit for that role um and I, th- I I think it's, I, I actually think it's sort of as simple as that. Do you think there's anything more to it? Lingering injuries for Dev, age, oh, catching sorry, up with yeah. them? Well, I think that's a good point. You know, he picked up two injuries this season uh, for a guy who's very rarely been injured. He must have his reasons, but neither of them look convincing. I go back to, like, it's not necessarily Klein that Dev's been dropped for. Yeah, you know, you can look. We're saying Ty Byrne. I'm saying Reese Ruddock. It's very hard to explain how in a 31 man squad. I mean, to be honest, I'd even push it to Chris Farrell. I suppose we'll cover Chris Farrell later on, and he's gone 17 14, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't have to go 17 14. And of course, like Schmidt's been out talking about the 31 man squad and why it'd make more sense if there was 32 and all the permutations. And he's right. That's his job to cover that. Yeah, perversely. I like the fact that there's a 31-man squad, that 
that like they just haven't bothered changing the rules that they've set it out. It sort of puts a premium. It was thirty in uh, twenty eleven. It was thirty in twenty eleven, yeah. and then I suppose they changed the rule with the props and they, they've extended it like that. But it, it puts a premium on the coach's selection ability, and you know, like the I suppose the strength of your squad to to get through any potential banana skins, which are unusual in rugby, but they do, they do happen. I mean, you know, Japan beat the Springboks. Tonga beat no, Tonga beat France. So it does happen. George nearly beat us um, on occasion. Okay, well, next on the list is uh, Luke McGrath getting selected ahead of Kieran Marmion, and I'll point out that on the list that we published, we had three scrum halves yeah. with John Cooney traveling as well uh, as a guy who could play ten and kick. Yeah, well, that <clears throat> that I think changed dramatically with Joey Carberry's injury. That yeah. changed the. Uh, the framing of the argument because we were clearly once Carberry got injured, we were clearly going to need three a, tens, a, a third actual ten. Yeah, but the surprise then, I guess, is that Luke uh, McGrath got in ahead of Marmion, who has featured. He started two of those top five games. Oh yeah, that for, was a that's a huge surprise to me. Uh, and I'm I'm much more positive about Luke McGrath, I think, than than you are or than the author of that article is. Um, but I was, I was really surprised. I When I saw the squad leaked first, I thought it was somebody who... Uh, like I, I was really surprised that Dev Toner wasn't in, but I was, I was really surprised that Marmion wasn't in. I thought it was probably not a right squad. That is not a right question. <laughs> yeah, I um... It's hard to see where Luke McGrath has all of a sudden surpassed Kieran Marmion. Uh, I don't think either of them have, have precipitously changed the way that they play. Kieran Marmion reminds me, perhaps mistakenly, of, of Fabian Delph, who I, I think Michael Cox used to write about this and say, like, oh, well, Fabian Delph isn't playing particularly well for City at the time, but Gareth Southgate keeps picking him. And Gareth Southgate was making the point, well, he, he plays well for my team. Like he plays well for England, he plays well in the position that I want him to play. Why would I drop him? Like it's not fantasy football. I don't think now Cox might have said that rather than Southgate, but I'd have taken the same logic with Marmion. It's like go back to those top five games. Marmion started against New Zealand in the sixteen nine match. He also started in the thirteen nine match against England. Um he's and he's had to compete with Connor Murray. So like he's 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 been at the scene of some glorious achievements. And Luke McGrath, again, because of Conor Murray, but also because of the comp, like, never, has never been beyond three in the pecking order. Mm. So why he changed his mind now, I don't know. He mentioned something about uh, his kicking put him ahead of, Joe Schmidt mentioned something that Luke McGrath's kicking put him ahead of Marmion. Uh, and like, the thing that just came into my mind was, Obviously, that's a point of comparison, an isolated point of comparison between those two players. But like his first cut, like getting rid of, uh, sorry, second cut was John Cooney. He was yeah. in the second tranche. Like Cooney for me has been was certainly the best Irish uh, scrum half this year. Conor Murray's form was brutal this year, um, and then Conor Murray's form was very, very good in the previous year. Outstanding. As was Cooney's though, you know, he picked up all three awards from Ulster, uh, and he, I think he's actually a very like for like player 
with Conor Murray not as physical, but can command and direct a team from nine in a way that neither, in my opinion, Marmion or um, or Luke McGrath do. So I, I felt, I would still feel very, very strongly actually that Cooney was, getting rid of him so quickly was just a, a mistake. Yeah, I, I remember when Cooney was at the tail end of the season that he before South Africa, which was 2016. Yeah, 15, 16. And he dislocated his shoulder. But before that, he was playing really well. And he came back from another injury. And I thought he was playing better than Kieran Marmion. And I was thinking, Jesus, he's like he's, he's what we need as another option at scrum half. And that he moves the ball very well. He's got a slick pass. He's at the base quickly. He's playing very well. Um, and then he, he missed any opportunity to tour, and then he went up. To, he went up to Ulster, and he's made a he's made a real success of it. Replacing Ruin Peener, which was something of a poison chalice. Now the the fact is that he he's got past that, but um, he would have been persona non grata had had he not played well because no one. I'm not saying no one. I mean Cooney, Cooney's been made welcome, but if someone had played poorly, taken over from Ruin Peener they would have been let know about it. Like mm-hmm. just all the deficiencies that they had mm-hmm. as a player and as a human being compared to Ruan. Yeah. Um, and none of that happened to Cooney. So I remember Cooney played a match against the Ospreys in Joe Schmidt's first season. And <laughs> no, it's during the World Cup. It's during the World Cup it was, it was, it was his first was it? start, yeah. His first, his first, first start. First first game of the season. And they got, they got annihilated. And I don't know if Schmidt... Was it the one where Schmidt lost the dressing room? No, no, second season, George <laughs> right. Schmidt's second season, 11-12. <laughs> right, sorry. I don't know if it's, I don't know if that's always stuck on him. I don't know if, Cooney's never got a rattle. Um, and like Luke, Luke McGrath and Marmion are both far more physical scrum halves. Like they're, I mean, Marmion got, Marmion was injured against New Zealand. Marmion is as tough as teak. And just played all the as way through so it. is McGrath. And so is Luke McGrath. So like, I don't know. And again, maybe this is this is just one of these things that Schmidt places a premium on, particularly because he can only bring two scrum halves. He's sort of gone, right, I'm going to bring like a real tough little bastard. Yeah, rubber balls. Who's, who's not going to get injured yeah. because I've only got two of them. Um, and maybe that's a consideration, but like he got rid of Cooney. Like Cooney can play 10. I, it but, wouldn't be my choice. Yeah, nor mine. Um, is there anything to uh, Luke McGrath as a captain? Uh, like he's a, he selected as a captain by his peers of the under twenties team. I think there is, and he's to that. obviously extremely tough. I we we had mentioned to ourselves uh, off mic that he reminded us uh, both of Niall Hogan. I say not particularly Aww. good passing, but an incredible defender, extremely committed kind of player. Good um, rugby player. Good, good all-round yeah. rugby player. Yeah, like Luke McGrath looked really well. Play. He played a match against the Scarlets where he ended up, because Leinster just had a lot of injuries, and he ended up playing like a fullback or something. He just gone, geez, he should have played fullback all the time. He was deadly. But he, he could just move in between positions. I think just with Luke McGrath and, and Marmion over, uh, and then talking about the risk-reward trade-off, Schmidt's one of these guys who seems to look at like what's the least downside rather than what's the most upside when picking a team and you know you have to fall into one of the two camps as a selector about like oh, I think this guy can really have a big match like for example picking Curtly Beal at fullback is always going to be uh, like the upside Feast is huge famine, yeah. but the downside is pretty dramatic like it's pretty obvious compared to picking Rob Carney in terms of then uh, the next one of those selections is Carty going I think as soon as um 
Joey Carby went down against Italy, we kind of knew that it would flip from maybe maybe three scrum halves and two out halves to to the other way around, two scrum halves and three out halves. Uh, I think it's fairly unanimous to say that Carty's the the next one uh, after Joey. Think so? Yeah, but uh, with the proviso that, uh, and Cardi played extremely well this season, but so did Ross Byrne for their respective provinces. Uh, Cardi has showed glimpses of flair, which Ross Byrne hasn't necessarily shown. But Ross Byrne, or Ross Byrne, is a is a better goal kicker, for example. I think has a better kicking game in general. And the big proviso that I'd throw in there was that. Ross Byrne was selected to play a full-strength English side in an Irish side which massively underperformed and got the shit kicked out of them up front. Whereas Carty was playing a mixed second, third-string Welsh side in an Irish side which was uh, trying to bounce back from that heavy late performance against England. So their respective performances in sequential weeks is... uh, not a fair basis of comparison. With that said, and I'm again more of a Ross Byrne fan than I think you are, I think that Carty probably uh, deserves it, and I certainly have no, have no issue at all with him going. I think he's actually a very good player. He's good all-round footballer, good at other codes as well, which I, I think is always a great thing in, in a rugby player. And uh, you know, I think it's I think that's a very fair selection. I think if you wound it back though, twelve months, you wouldn't. Jack, I wonder what percentage of people's squads that Jack Cardi would have been in. So I, I think he is probably the luckiest player in a way um, to have made it. Now, hopefully, either Stephen Donald and catches a shitload of white bite um, over in Japan or Wales or whatever he can <laughs> get his hands on. And Ross Byrne, yeah, Ross Byrne is probably one of the unluckiest. Um, you know, I've had to, Ross Byrne probably gets an armchair ride playing for Leinster and the way that, like, he's, Ross Byrne came in to the Leinster team when, like, there was a massive gap as the number two and very little competition for that number two slot and he's been afforded a, a good run at uh, at the number ten jersey. Now he's he's done a good job playing for Leinster, but you can also sort of argue that there is a, it's a bit of an armchair ride compared to to other matches. Now this season he's going to have Harry Byrne among others uh, competing with against him uh, QB one. And <laughs> let's see what happens. Look, I I think Ross Byrne has improved season on season. Um, I think he's unlucky, but I don't think like he doesn't have a role of honor like Dev Donner has. No, oh geez, no. Uh, but just with regards to Ross Byrne, like he came, he filled that gap the, that Madigan left. But it was between the two of them, Carberry and and Byrne at the time. They came, yeah. in, they're the same age, you know. They came in but, through roughly the same yeah, time, yeah. Uh, and both have been afforded great chances what, through the uh, <laughs> through the decency of Monster. <laughs> I can sort of see the value in bringing a guy like Carty, or say even regardless, I don't think the, the choices made in the warm-up games, even in the Six Nations, Carty was ahead of Ross Byrne mm. by the time, by the end of it. And he finished the match against the fucking awful match against Wales. Playing well, our best player. 
but I sort of see the value in having uh, a 27 year old now who is a little bit of a, a little bit more of a creative and risky player who's probably on a kind of play in case of emergency. And in that case of emergency, having a guy like that gone or it might try something, might get us out of a hole, might win us a game, might do something incredible rather than having the kind of like <clears throat> having a cross kicking genius. Yeah. Just a kind of like, uh, Really steady Eddie, understudy. Tall Raj. Tall Raj. <laughs> Who can't uh, chew and walk at the same time. <laughs> um, can't walk straight. Jesus, yeah, very fucking harsh. I'm a big fan of Raj. Some of the fans not happy with that. Someone needs to stop him. Will Allison has missed out uh, to Farrell, Chris Farrell. Um and that sort of seemed to cause much more of an uproar than I expected. I, I admittedly haven't like seen a huge amount of uh, Will yeah. Addison games. Um, Didn't play much in 2019. Yeah. Um, and there are some flaws to Chris Farrell's games, but he's, uh, he's a big guy who's played a really vital role in a really big game for us once. That I think everyone just took him to their hearts on a national team level immediately after that Wales game. I agree with that. A hundred percent. Like when he came in for that Wales game, it was, it was. It was a shot at redemption, like. Yeah. For a guy who'd he, gone away from home. Man of the match, absolute delivered on the day. And then got a cruciate injury straight after it. So mm -hmm. he was, he's like, he's an narrative arc written in there already. Yeah. Addison does have durability issues. And when you are so far away, when the team is so far away from potential backups, because as you were saying, he, he can't even be in the country. No, it has to be in Ireland. He has to be in Ireland to be called up. So if they were carrying a guy who potentially was uh, unavailable for selection throughout, say, picking up injuries in training even, uh, that's that's a big issue. With that in mind, there is the recent, it's not recency, It is there's a recency bias, but it's well-founded in that Addison played incredibly little rugby in 2019, yet was still brought into the, training squad he, I don't think he played after January so he's brought into the World Cup training squad he missed the first and second he played the Cup. Italian match in the Six Nations did he? Chris Farrell no Will Addison oh sorry Will Addison yeah. oh yeah yeah no very little rugby yeah um, so he was waiting around to be picked for the third warm up game so you got, I got the impression anyway that Joe Schmidt was waiting around to see what he could do um and he performed extremely well against Wales. There was also when, at the start of his Irish career, uh, prior even to joining Ulster, he was invited to train with Ireland in Australia. He was selected in November. His first game was against Italy in the Chicago game, where he was used off the bench as a winger for Stockdale. His next game was against Argentina, where he was used as 13. And his last game was against the US, where he was used as 15. So he played three different positions in a month which struck me as very World Cuppy. And his background in sale is that he played, uh, he played 50, started 55 games as a winger in his sale career, kicked goals, played 12, 13, uh, and 15 as well. Uh, so he is the absolute ideal number 23 in that he covers literally every three-quarter position and the fullback, and he's a goal kicker. He also, it's also not just that versatility, it's that he plays with a sort of verve and intuition, good footballing, pace, lovely balance, a good kicking game. So uh, 
I felt that he probably did as much as he could and that I would have preferred to see him selected. I think a bit, again, a bit like Cooney, I think that Chris Farrell, um, again, like Chris Farrell's done it at a high level. He's been involved, particularly in that Welsh match where he got man of the match. Um, and he, he brings a greater level of physicality than Will Addison. And in the same way that Marmion and McGrath bring a greater level of physicality than John Cooney. So you, you sort of see a trend yeah. of like what Joe Schmidt likes. Um, I think on that subject, like Will Addison arrived, you know, he was training with Ireland before he was in the country. He arrived in the country and now he's kind of, you know, people are in a minor. Um Uproar, is oh, you can have a minor uproar. There's, you know, there's there's an argument. A kerfuffle. A I don't kerfuffle know. about a selection, which which brings you to uh, the name that keeps cropping up is, of course, our old pen pal, Simon Zebo. Oh, Zebo, yeah. Um, not being in it. But not just Zebo. Like, there's a few others. When you look at bringing Jack Hardy, you go Paddy Jackson at the last World Cup, Ian Madigan at the last World Cup, and Stuart Olding. So obviously two of those have, uh, you know, high-profile cases behind them. Uh, Madigan has nothing of the sort. Uh, place kicker, World Cup experience, Schmidt's a fan. And there hasn't really been any noise about that. And it's it's a remi- I think all four of those guys are a reminder of the IRFU's non-spoken policy. Mm-hmm. All, any of whom would would have improved the squad over one or two of the players that are there. So would you take Zebo over, let's say, the luckiest of the back five players is Larmer or Conway? No, I, I actually think that uh, the strongest argument is for one of the out-halves. The fact that Jack Hardy is going, the fact that Johnny Sexton has been wrapped in cotton wool and seems to have been shipping an injury. The fact that Joey Carberry is probably going over injured. Um, the fact that we're going with three out halves and the fact that, you know, Madigan was at the last World Cup playing against France and uh, Paddy Jackson then towards South Africa. Both of them are in stronger, both of them have stronger playing pedigrees. Yeah, it's funny. I was, this is. Uh a related topic I was talking to you before when uh, we were discussing Reese Ruddock versus Jordy Murphy that selection and I was went back and, and looked at the the games for which Reese Ruddock played in the number seven jersey for Ireland two of the again uh, two of the games were against South Africa one at home in November 2014 which they won he scored a try and then won the second test in the summer 16 tour and it, I'll just read out the, the back five of the pack that started to you there. Uh, second row was Quinn Roo and Dev Toner. The back row was Hendo, a blind side, Rudig at open side, and Jamie Heaslip at number eight, which must be the biggest pack that Ireland have ever fielded. Yeah. An enormous pack. Also, just the back line, for what it's worth, I, was, I, I didn't remember this. It was Murray, Jackson, Olding and Henshaw, Gilroy, Trimble and Payne. Five Ulster men in that, in that back line. Yeah. That's not too long ago. Like, it's it's over three years, so maybe you could say it is. But um, certainly in this World Cup cycle, um, sort of sort of fascinating to see how many of those players are no longer, no longer in the mix. Well, yeah, I, I, I think as well that just on the Zebo thing, like Zebo's always the name that comes up, and Zebo's been the most high-profile with the whole does a bear, da-da-da-da-da. But 
he's kind of, you take that old classic line of Mario Puzo's that like, you know, it's just business, it's not personal. Or it's nothing personal, it was just business. I think I, think I mangled the line the first time around. <laughs> edit, edit it out. Um, if that lightning like, strikes my son, that's business. <laughs> that the other, like you take the other three guys, like Olding had a really good season in Breve, and then Jackson and uh, Mads are, are well-known quantities. None of those four guys were even in the mix. So don't leave Ireland. Oh and yeah, but I, I think that the, you know, I think that, that the be lost in Jackson game. and Olding will never play for Ireland again. No, I don't. There's no chance of that. Yeah, absolutely no chance. Why? No chance. No. no chance that they'll play. No. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, what are you saying? <laughs> there's no chance they'll play for Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it wouldn't be worth. It wouldn't be worth the feedback they would get from the Irish public. Um, on the subject of not leaving Ireland being a, a green line. Uh, and the talk that you had there of the World Cup cycle, um, how much value do you really place in World Cup cycle where like Rory McConaughey and Willie Hines are getting selected for England with like one and no caps uh, and like John Klein is getting going on the plane with two caps and I'm sure there are going to be numerous other examples of guys who oh, just Oh, yeah, well, Bridge, uh, Severis for the, the Kiwis. I don't, I think that four years, you can't you can't plan for something in rugby four years ahead unless it's like changing your stadium or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think a, a World Cup cycle is, it's an easy way to measure things. Really, preparation for the World Cup, I think it's uh, reasonable to start at sort of two years out. And and the best way to start is just by winning all the time, just picking your best team as often as you can, in, improving in depth. It's it's easier for uh, fringe players to play well in a strong team. I, I think as well, like Des Des touched on in the article, looking at the uh, Milner Scudder and the, and those sort of selections was Wesley Naholo Naholo in Holo in twenty fifteen that they played in the back three. Like if you, if you can pick anybody who's just in peak physical streaky, form yeah. and streaky and doesn't really have that much experience, you can do it in the back three. Willie Hines is very different as uh, as a scrum half than Rory McConaughey is as a back three fringe player, you know, like you or just- Or cock and a singer. Or cock and a singer. Like you just, you, like you need to be really fast and at the peak of your physical powers and you can kind of get away with not being that good. Like, I mean, it, it might almost help you that people haven't, Scouted you, yeah, and like you know, got a load of tape on your like you know, where do they kick in? I think is the closer to the decision making roles that you get, you do want a bit of uh gravitas, gray hair, call it what you will. What do you think about then throughout the year? Joe spread the selection blanket even further and further, calling in guys like Tom Farrell and Quail and Blade. Uh, into the squads, and I'm sure there are other other examples like don't but those two spring to mind. Well, Blade Blade was uh, he was playing very well at the time, but there was also a stack of injuries, if you recall. Like Murray was just coming back, uh, Marmion was out, and Luke McGrath was out. So Blade was the legitimate at the time best third best uh, scrum half in Ireland because the other the two lads who would have been who would have pushed him back down to fifth were both injured. So Tom Farrell has had. At that stage, it had one and a half really good seasons, and there's now had two good seasons. There's, like Joe wants to see him face to face, see what he's like in training, and see how good he is, see what how he does compared to the other centres he has. I think that's completely worthwhile. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think I think you have to pick guys to see can they perform at a level that perhaps their pedigree mightn't suggest. I don't I don't think that happens to many guys in Ireland. Like I, I don't think that we've I think we such a small pool. I think that underage rugby so well scouted. I think that the the pro game is is pretty efficient. But what so I'm thinking about know, what I'm thinking about is is Scott Fardy. Like Scott Fardy's there playing club footy for ages. He mm-hmm. picks up a contract, you know, gets a season or two with I think it was the Brumbies and he's playing in the World Cup final and like he's deadly. Or Mike Ross before him. Or or Mike Ross. Yeah, Mike Ross before him. You know, so somebody that you just kind of want to drop in. So look at like I'll, I'll go back to Killer. We picked Jack McGrath had a killer. And when you look at the sort of the playing pedigree of Jack McGrath being like a line tight head, being so like a previous World Cup, being ahead of Keane Healy at the last World Cup, or he wasn't picked, but he should have been. And you go, ah, well, Killer doesn't have that. But there's no doubt from the squad as announced that Kilcoyne would have been extremely hard done by had he not been selected. And the fact that he was selected wasn't to do with Jack McGrath not playing particularly well, because the Killer just blew the lights out on, on Saturday. On his time in the pitch. Yeah, and it done that all season, previous season. What you're looking for is can somebody be dropped in and prove it at that level? Now, again, to go back, like in Ireland, I'm like I'm struggling to think, has it I'm struggling to think of somebody that happened. like Scott Fardy is the is the guy that comes to mind for me. Yeah, I can't think of one off the top of my head either. As, as someone who's just come in and surprised everyone that he that he, that he does have the level. Someone whose pedigree, like, so, you know, most of the guys who are playing are multi-season underage internationals. Like, let alone, not just guys who have been picked at under 20, but, like, were picked. Irish schools, Irish yeah. 19. Yeah, that's yeah, a pretty measure. Got, probably got two World Cups, like Kendi, Tyke Furlong. You know, the only reason Larmer didn't get picked was because. He was know, in school for one, same with James Ryan. Yeah, you know, so all those sort of guys, like, they're known a bit. Like, they're, yeah. they're meant to be playing for Ireland. Killer, Killer and John Ryan actually didn't play Irish under 20s. That's my memory of it. Um, is there anybody else? In and that? like Tom Farrell did. Tom Farrell played two seasons of under twenties. You know, so he's he's not even a good example of that. But just just like you're talking about somebody who a bolter to yeah. to steal the phrase. Jack Collins a bolter. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't have played for us at under twenties. <laughs> <so. laughs> Didn't speak the language at the time. <laughs> 